worship you, my King. I'll give you praise in everything. Say, I will give you praise in everything. I will worship you. Praise in everything. say, what people think, or what they do. You are still God to your people. Lord, we are your people. Lord, we are your people. Lord, I ask you for everyone in this room tonight. 
Lord, to receive exactly what they came for. Lord, I ask you to awaken destiny in them. Someone had a problem in your heart. It was a valve of some kind. The Lord is healing your body. Lord, yes, Lord. And Lord, they are my family, but they are your people. And Lord, we beseech you to move in their behalf. Yes, Lord, I will. The Lord says, I have moved. Tell them to act on my word. And he said, I will meet them there. I will meet them there. Lord, how could to say that? You want me to say that? One time, I was coming back across a mountain road. This was years ago. And I don't tell this anywhere I go that I know of. Maybe I have a long time ago. But I was coming back across a mountain road and I I was driving a Jeep. I had a I was driving my Jeep and and I was it was kind of late at night and I had the Bible on C D. You know, I know people don't have CDs much now, they're already disappearing. They'll join cassettes at the beach for vacation and retirement one day and they'll join eight tracks who already has made their plans with reel to reels but I was listening to the Bible just someone reads the Bible you know and I pushed it in my CD player now pastor all I know to do is tell you what happened next Whatever anybody does with this, that it's either, uh, Brother Robin, you've lost your mind, or, wow. Because when I pushed that CD in, and the word started playing, I don't know if I ought to tell you this or not. S suddenly, suddenly, I was inside that CD I don't know how to explain that but I could tell you what it looked like inside when I heard the word of God I kind of went in that I don't know how else to explain it and it was just kind of just bright looking just like I don't know but when I got in there I knew something had happened. And this is the first thing I heard. I know the voice of God. And he said these words to me. Now that you're here, what do you want? It startled me so. It shook me back into where I was. God is not limited by anything except what we limit him to. For he said he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So when you get to the place that you can ask or think it, then he can go beyond that in your life. 
And so he did that that night with me. I don't know how to explain that other than just what I told you. And I'm still, if I, I'll have to think on that a while. But it happened as sure as I'm standing here, it happened. And I know I must have entered his word. I must have walked into his word, you know. One night I was praying for people at a camp meeting I was preaching at. And I was walking back and forth like that on the front aisle. And there was a man on the second row who had terminal cancer. And his skin was the color of like a pale orange. And I turned, and I was walking this way, and I turned and saw him. And when I turned and looked at him, all at once I was looking just like you had taken your hands and done this. And that's the way it looked out of my eyes. And I'm looking right at him. And inside me, I said, Lord, what's happening? He said, now you are seeing through my eyes. And it was just focused, just like you had taken your hands and done this. Well, I, I turned and walked toward him. But by the time I turned, he had already hobbled out into the aisle and was walking toward me, kind of staggering. People couldn't even really figure out how he lived through the service. And when I, I had every intention, Pastor, of coming up to him and putting my hand just like this on his forehead. But when I got about this far away from his head, another him from about here up leaned out of his body and met my hand a foot away. I don't know how else to tell you that. But I'm looking like this now. I'm seeing something I couldn't see with my natural eyes. And when he laid his that spirit head in my hand, his whole physical body started shaking and convulsing. After that, there was no visible change that you could see. But he made it through the service. Then he made it another day, another day, another week. He got stronger, and he went to the doctor to have x-rays, and they were going to do more chemo. And when he got there, the doctors were screaming, we've seen a miracle, we've seen a miracle. And he said, we can't find this. And he said, I thought I was feeling better. He said, I rode my Harley down here. So there is a realm where healing and where miracles that God calls you and I to be in. And if we're not open to things like that, then he can't show us things like that. Now, things like that will never violate the written word. Never. It's always in within the written word. The prophetic in all of this is not, the written word's not subject to that. All gifts of the Spirit are subject to the written word. You have to always remember that. It's final authority. And so if we lend ourselves to God and say, Lord, I'll take you at your word. God will take you on adventures that you've never seen. And what I'm looking at tonight is something I'm hearing in my spirit. And the Lord would have you know this. I'm looking at a remnant of warriors that's standing in this room.
And the Lord considers you very, very special to Him. You have a different mindset. You look at things differently. And it's not, and people for, for years may not, have not understood you at all. But you have arrived at your time. You were ahead of your time, a lot of you. You saw in the future, the future, the future. And now you've arrived at your time in some of this. And the Lord is going to use you. And I'm making a prophetic call right now. And I'm going to call into your lives that your family members will be swept into the kingdom of God. That they're going to come in and be born again and receive Jesus as Lord and personal Savior. And I'm calling for that right now in the name of Jesus. All the family members of this crowd and these watching by live stream and all that's all that's in part that's part of this warrior service here, this prophetic service. I call your families, your sons and your daughters back into the kingdom of God, and they will hear the voice of the good shepherd, and they will come into the kingdom. We call for this sweeping to take place. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Come on. We're not in a hurry. Surely we're not in a hurry. You are Jesus. Hallelujah. Turn around and look at four or five people and tell them, say, man, it's going to get gooder now. <laughs> Hallelujah. It is good to be with you tonight. If you will, on this microphone right here, yeah, if you'll just put some highs on it just a little bit and then turn the mid straight up and down. 
pull your fader down just a little bit, and I think it'll all fix it. Hallelujah. How we bless the Lord. Man, I'm excited. Are you excited? Mm. You know, the, the Lord always, you can bring me down just a little bit now, but I may get loud. That's why I'm saying uh, the Lord, he always sends me, uh, seems like a new staff, not, not people, <laughs> a staff, a, a staff, wherever I go. If he sends me somewhere, he, he always sends a new staff to me. And I remember when I went up to, uh, DC on January the 6th, and some of you might've saw boots on the ground, that video well, that was all real. Nothing was made up. Everything happened just like you saw it. And I had no idea the, the staff was coming or anything like that. But all I knew was I was supposed to go and stretch it out toward the Capitol. I will, Lord, I'll tell them that. I, I'm going to tell you something that I haven't told. And that day, I was... Um, I, I, a pastor met me and he had this staff in his hand. Yeah. You may want to take your, if you're going to turn it that high, take your highs down a little. And so he met me with a staff. That's beautiful. Met me with a staff in his hand. And he said this, he said, I bought this. I thought for me, he said, but the Lord said it's for you. Now he didn't know what I was going to do. And so I went down to the Capitol and I arrived at the reflecting pool at 111. And at 111, President Trump finished his speech up by the park. Exactly the same time. And there was people came in. Now listen close. Catholic people. Pentecostal people. All kinds of people. And then just people that I don't think they were anything but people. You know, I don't know, but it was all across the board and they just, I don't know what they, the Holy ghost had to have drawn them and they just came up around and, and so they said, let's get a picture together. I said, okay, well, I turned with the staff and held the staff out over the reflecting pool. When I picked the staff up, it was 1:12 PM. At 1.12 p.m., what you didn't know, maybe you did. They walked into the halls of Congress with absolute proof that all the votes were fraudulent. It was absolute proof, and they all knew it. And they laid it down on the desk of the congressman right as I stretched the rod out at 1.12 and commanded it to divide. The Lord said, tell that sea to divide. Now, the sea was red. Now, you'll get that. I have to talk in code a lot of times or you won't have a Facebook. <laughs> and, so, and so the sea was red. They were red everywhere. You understand what I'm saying? And the Lord said, tell it to divide. Well, you wouldn't think that, but he said it. A red sea time. So I was at the Red Sea. When I stretched that out, they laid 
the proof down on certain congressman's desk and they saw it. And the man who did it all was arrested in Italy at that, at that time, they brought it in. They had already arrested him. They found the proof. They caught everybody involved. When they did, the Congress came apart because they knew it was true. See, but they were scared. And it just came apart. The whole D.C. just came apart. I was standing there with my staff looking at the Capitol while all of a sudden they went ballistic all around me. It was at the exact moment. Six hours later, a, uh, the, the Red Sea in Egypt, I think it was six hours after that, there was an earthquake in the Red Sea in Egypt all at the same time. But now watch this. This is something I started to say last night and then I'm going to get on something. Yeah. I'm not, you know, why do you want to talk about politics? Because it's corrupt as hell. That's why. That's why I have to talk about it. That's exactly why I have to talk about it. Who, who, uh, what do you think a prophet does? Go around and pet the kitties. I'm talking about kitty cats. But I don't mind that. I love them. I love dogs. I love all. I love, I've got horses. But when it comes to confronting corrupt kings, you better be able to stick your bony prophet finger right out in the front of you and say, thus saith the Lord. Because whether you know it or not, they believe. You may not realize this, but those politicians believe. Oh, yes, they do. I just got back from Mar-a-Lago. By invitation. Robin and I. And do you know what? They recognized us because they believe. They know the prophets. Prophets came on the scene. And this moment, because if not, a lot of things would be lost. Let me tell you something, especially my partners. I love my partners. I pray over you every day. I'm asking God to flood your life with, with all that's needed, prosperity, goodness. You sweep your families into the kingdom. I mean, listen. But in this time, I have to be bold when I face corruption. When the Red Sea parted in the natural, the Bible says it was a wall to the children of Israel on the right hand and on the left. You know why it was a wall? Because the Bible said the water congealed in its depths. It means it stood up on both sides and froze in the middle of the desert. The day before I could get to the Capitol, it started getting colder 
and colder and colder. And the strong wind started blowing. And it blew and it blew until people, you were standing there like this. And when we stretched that rod out, it was freezing. And everything came apart. The other morning, the Lord woke me up. And I haven't told this on any television program, any streaming program or anything. The Lord woke me up and I saw this. It was vivid. I could show you in my notes right here. I saw this Red Sea, and it was standing tall, and it kind of went out like this. And I saw a whole group of people come out. I'm up high looking at it. And I saw this whole group of people come out, maybe thousands. I was so high up looking down, they looked little, you know, little. And they came out and herded over into here. And then more started coming out sporadically. And more coming out sporadically. And the Lord told me, he said, tell the people to hasten now. Begin to run because the Red Sea is about to close. He said, Moses is already on the other side, and now it's about to close. And they'll come out just about the time Pharaoh's chariots are in the center. This thing is about to close. Now, I don't know and don't pretend to know exactly what all that entails, but I do know. I've been talking about a Red Sea time since March of 2020. And we came to it, but it's not closed yet. People are still coming out this side. It takes a while to cross a sea on foot. But there's some things that are about to happen. I, I guess you don't want to hear political stuff. When, when Joe Biden, see, you can pray for Joe Biden. You should. And don't let hate get in your heart about nobody, nobody, nobody. But you can pray for the man, and you should pray for the man. You can pray for former Vice President Joe Biden. You can pray for the office of the president, but you cannot pray for President Joe Biden because you might as well pray for the Easter Bunny because it's a mythical character. Oh, oh, no. Brother Robin, we're mad at you now. You know, I'll pray for you. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. If I, and I say this a lot, but if I thought my cousin was the Antichrist, I'd tell you. I'd tell you. You know what? I think my cousin's the Antichrist. I'd tell you. He's got this weird mark on him. I'd tell you. I'd just tell you. But you cannot pray for President Joe Biden because he don't exist. He, he never will exist. Now, folks, he don't exist. And you might as well just shake your head because you're. 
Why do you think the Capitol is just surrounded with razor wire and fencing and everything else? What, what do you think that is? Folks, so everything's about to turn. There's about to be a change. Now, I will tell you this before I go any further tonight, just so that some of you know that we're right in the middle of all this stuff. See, Elijah confronted Ahab. Moses confronted Pharaoh. Elisha dealt with the king, Ahaz. Jeremiah uh, dealt with, um, what was his name? You know, they gouged his eyes out because he wouldn't listen. They killed his sons in front of him and then gouged his eyes out. So it'd be the last thing he ever saw. Because the king wouldn't listen to the prophet. God always brings prophets up on the scene. And they're out there now all over. When there is tyranny facing his people. And are trying to stop revival. Hallelujah. So just so you know where we are. That's where we are. The Red Sea is about to close. So hasten. Pick up the speed now. Pick up the pace. And soon we'll turn the page, the Lord said, to the next prophecy rage. Hallelujah. Now can we thank the Lord tonight? We'll give him praise and honor. Glory. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. We give you praise. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. That we can learn your word together as a family. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want you to... I want you to look at, um, yeah, look over at Genesis 2, and let's, let's look at this for just a moment. Genesis 2, verse 7. says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the Hebrew says lives, and man became a living soul. He Notice he used the word breathe twice, breathed and then the breath. You see that? Breathed and then the breath of lives. And man became a living soul. When God created man, we see this where it says he formed him from the dust of the ground. Now he's talking about his body. See, man's spirit is the creation. The body is what God made. And he, made, he breathed what he created into what he made. So when you start looking at this, you have to understand when God breathed into that man, he breathed his, his own... Yes, Lord, say that. See, 
In Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, the same events are told and they have to be reconciled at a place. What I mean by that is this. In Genesis 1, verse 26, 27, 28, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over every, uh, over every creeping thing, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the the fowl of the air and over uh, every living thing that moved upon the earth. Then in Genesis 2, 7, he said he formed his body. See, this all happened together. And we're reading it. Moses wrote it down so that, and so this is a, this is a prophet writing from a prophetic perspective. And we are Western people trying to read an Eastern book with no knowledge of covenant. So when he talks about man is the word for spirit, humus is the dirt. That's what you and I are, are spirits inside dirt, are humus men, are humans. Hallelujah. That's what we are. Now, when God created this, you'll find that you get on over into Genesis 2 and it says he watered the whole face of the ground. And he said he caused a mist to come up out of the earth. Now watch this real closely. In Genesis 1.11, it says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, uh, and the, tru uh, the tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and the herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree, uh, and so forth after its kind, whose seed was in itself. And the evening and the morning, the next verse says, was the third day. So on the third day, God put everything in the ground that has seed in itself. Genesis 2 7 talks about the forming of the body and a mist coming up. So what happened? This is what happened. Don't think of the body as a sculpture. It was actually a cast. When God caused his glory to come up out of the earth, the mist that came up, God on the third day, the third day, he stepped into that glory and he disappeared inside that mist. He had watered the whole face of the ground. And what an angel couldn't see, what a living creature couldn't see, what no one else could see was on that third day, God laid down in that wet earth and covered himself in the glory and you couldn't see him. And he, he sunk down into the earth and he made a cast of himself in the earth. A cast of himself. Then the Bible says, on the sixth day, he made man. Exactly three days and three nights later, he made the man. What happened was, was on day three, he made a cast of himself. Three days and three nights later, while everyone looked upon it, 
While all the angels stared, God stepped into the earth at the place he had cast his own image, and he began to uncover the dirt like that. And he raised the dirt up off of it, and it made a big hole. And at the bottom of it, suddenly every angel saw this image of God laying under the ground this way. And the Hebrew says, God shadowed him. Means he laid down on his face with his face, his hands on his hands. He inhaled and caught up the spirit he had created, and he breathed into what he made, and the man became a living soul. And when he did, he raised him up out of that hole. What he was prophesying was, there's the reason a prophet wrote it. He's understanding and wants you to understand that on day three, he put his image in the ground, and no one knew it. On day six, three days and nights later, he uncovered an open grave and brought the man up out of the ground and stood him up prophesying that the day would come when he himself would take flesh and be buried and after three days and nights he would be raised oh come on now he would be raised back up out of the dust how many of you see it he also prophesied that you would be raised from the dead this was a mystery hidden in God this is why the scripture says the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. And the Bible also said if Satan had have known this, he'd have never crucified the Lord of glory. He'd have never done that. But it was a mystery hidden. Now, when he raised him up out of that dust and God and his son, Adam, not Adam, Adam. In Alabama, we say Adam, but it's Adam. And him and Adam walked together in the cool of the day. Adam means blood shining through his face. It means that God's light was in him. God's blood is light. Your blood is red. Your blood glows with light if you put it up behind your fingers. And it shined through Adam's soul that him and God looked like two shafts of lightning walking through the garden together. This is the place he calls you and I to be in the glory. In this, in this position. What you're looking at in the world right now is the attempt to stop it. See, what most natural people don't realize is that Satan, all the forces of hell, the highest place they can go in a society is the political realm. They can't go any higher than that because they are fallen beings. So they meet in the political realm and fight to take over that. That's why Ezekiel 28 says there was a king of Tyrus and a prince of Tyrus, and it says the king of Tyrus was Lucifer. And so you find these things. They always seek to take over political realms. They, they seek that. And what they want you to do is that because it, it oversees the affairs of men, it governs what you do. It tells you whether you wear a mask or whether you do not. 
But when God raised Adam up out of that hole, he didn't have one on. He wasn't wearing a mask. And he wasn't afraid of disease. And we've been, the enemy systematically started removing us from that power. But God wants you to live in his breath. No, no, no. This is where I'm going tonight. God wants you and I to live in his breath. He wants you in his breath because there is where the essence of his very being is. And he wants to breathe that into your nostrils, the breath of lives. Hallelujah. Now listen, I'm talking about real power here. I'm not talking about just peeny power. I'm talking about real power. And so the enemy moved in to the political realm. Now, I'm going to show you some things, and when I get through talking about this, you're either going to be mad, glad, or sad because we're about to jump off here. Are you ready? All right. All right, here we go. Now, I want you to go over to Revelation. Ooh. Go over to Revelation. Chapter 20. Hallelujah. Now, we're going to talk about some of this. And, and when we do, we're about to get into some business. Or where I come from, some business. Now, I want to show you something. Revelation 20. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, ha heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed for a little season. Now, did you see that? To deceive the nations. This is what he looks to do. Now, he has four aspects of the same being. The dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. Now, there's four aspects to the enemy, but there's one enemy. Now, each one of these is a Greek name. And the Greek name dragon means this, one who charms you, pulls your gaze off, captures your gaze and pulls it off. Now, I understand this uh, a lot, probably more than a lot of folks, because where I was raised, I was raised that if you came up on our road, you was either lost or coming to see us because you had no other business up there. And I was raised in an old army barracks, probably from World War II, had no running water in it. And I grew up like that back in those woods, and it was just set up on cinder block. And that's the way we lived. And the biggest thing in those woods, there was all kinds of creatures out there. And the biggest thing in those woods that we dealt with was snakes. 
Man, I was an old snake killer from the time I was eight years old. They is all cobras to me. Just kill them all. That's what I did. And I grew up in that era where I had a shotgun at nine years old. I know, would you give your nine-year-old a shotgun? But in my world, it was different. And so I was, you know, I killed a snake that didn't even exist. Did you know that? I did. I, I, came, I, came, I came up the road. I was on my bicycle. Some of you remember this. Had banana seat and high handlebars. Remember that? And I come running up that road, and there was this snake about this long. Brother Garland's about like that. It was kind of green, and it had a little grooves on it. And I ran over it with my bicycle. When I did, it broke off into about 10, 12, 15 pieces about, about this long. It just broke off, just broke up. And I said, huh, you a joint snake. That's what you are. I said, my grandmother told me about that. I grew up hearing about joint snakes. I said, you, and if you leave them alone, they'll join back together and crawl off. So you know what I'm talking about? So I just got back with my bicycle and I said, you ain't never joining back together. And I ran up on that snake and when my back tire hit him, I hit my brakes and I just, I had snake everywhere. I mean, it just throwing that snake. I ran over several times and I went home and I told my grandmother, she raised me. So I went home and I said, mama, that's what I called her. I said, I killed a joint snake up there and this is the way I did it. She said, well, you know, nothing to us. Till the next day, I told my science teacher at school. He said, they don't exist. I said, really? No, I killed one. No, they don't exist. So you're looking at the man who killed the last joint snake <laughs> on the planet. It was me that did it. <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. True story. One day we was coming in from school, and we had to walk you know, probably almost a quarter of a mile to catch a bus. And so I was raised very poor. So snakes were big business to us. We did. <laughs> Y'all got some time. I'll tell you something. We didn't have much to do where I grew up. My uncle got a shingled roof on his house. There's only three of us lived on that hill in that area. Family. He got a shingled roof. We had never seen a shingled roof. So you know what we did? We took our shoes off, kept our socks on, and got up on them shingles, and our socks would grip it where you wouldn't fall off the house. And we ran all over his house all day, tearing shingles off and throwing them at each other. All over the, I mean, throwing them at each other. They wasn't much, you know, and it looked like it had the leprosy when it was over. And they wasn't much to do there. So the older boys, we had hogs we raised, you know. And so the, if one of them died and you didn't know what it died of, you couldn't eat it. So the boys would drag it out in the pasture, tie a bandana around their nose after it laid out there for three or four days, lay down beside it real still with their shotguns and shoot buzzards when they got close to the hog. We didn't have nothing else to do. We didn't have much to do. You know, that's having nothing to do. <laughs> that's a true story. But well, one day we were coming in from school, 
And my mother picked us up at the bottom of the hill. Had this old 58 Ford with no window on the side. So she picked us up and and the the older boy stopped us down at the foot of the road and you come up the hill like this. And there was a big kudzu patch down here. Y'all know what kudzu is in Louisiana? Okay, well, it came in with the curse. And it's sent to take over the world. And so the kudzu was all thick. And these they stopped us and they said, uh, uh, Aunt Ruby, talking to my mother, said, Aunt Ruby Dump, uh, we killed a, we hit a big rattlesnake with a rock. He crossed the road right up there. And it wounded him and he crawled off into the kudzu. So we're going to, we're trying to find him. And mother turned around, looked at us in the back seat, and she's going to say, don't get out of the, she said, don't get out. And we was running up the road. We had to see the snake. So we get up to the top of that little hill. And Tommy, my cousin, was looking down into the kudzu like this. And Frankie, his brother, was standing beside him. And all of a sudden, Frank said, he was looking. They were a little older. He said, get me, Tommy. Get me, Tommy. Tommy said, what is it, Frank? What is it? He said, get me, Tommy. Get me. He said, what is it, Frank? Well, he said, get me, Tommy. He's sweating. And Tommy grabbed him by the arm and pulled him aside. Frank was breathing hard. He said, Tommy said, what is it, Frank? He said, I locked eyes with that snake. And he said, I couldn't move. And that snake started crawling up that hill coming at me. Well, we knew what that was. We called it a snake charming you. Because they'll do rabbits that way, birds that way. But I'd never seen them do a man that way till that day. This is the word here, dragon. It means one who captures your gaze and pulls it off. Just pulls it off just enough. Now, you got to stay with me a minute. Once, now this is the only way the enemy attacks you personally. He will get your gaze off. He must lock eyes with you long enough to pull it off. Now, he don't, he don't care how far he pulls it off. Just pull it off. See, if I'm looking at Robin right here, and all of a sudden my gaze is pulled off to here, and I'm looking right beside her, I can still see her, but it's not as clear as it used to be. And now I'm vulnerable because I can't really see everything over here. So he pulls your gaze off, and there is four spirits named in Ephesians called principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. These spirits are not listed from the highest to the lowest power. They're listed from the lowest to the highest power. Principalities means one who begins the attack. These are the spirits that work with the dragon. And he, they take the dragon aspect into the world, and their job is, is to pull your gaze off. And it takes a thousand of them to do it. So when your gaze is off, just a little off, it took a thousand principalities active around you to get your gaze off of God. And once your gaze is off, just a little bit, he unleashes the next part of himself, known as that old serpent. Now, the word that old serpent is a Greek word that means one who is artfully malicious. 
It means someone who is who dreams up ways to cause you pain. So once your gaze is off and you're locked in battle with a thousand principalities, then these other spirits called powers, a thousand of them take this aspect and start causing you pain. Now the pain it causes you, yeah, I will, Lord. The pain it causes you is usually coming from people close to you. It'll come from church members. It'll come from family members. Only people who can hurt you. And so when your gaze is off, you, you can't see it coming. And now here comes the pain. Now you can't see straight and you're in pain and you're locked in battle with 2,000 spirits. I, I don't know if you're getting this or not. And then once your gaze is off and you're hurting, then he unleashes the third part of himself, the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, which means liar. So now he starts lying to you. And the spirits you're doing battle with now are called rulers of the darkness of this world. And there's a thousand of those that come to lie to you. Now you you're can't see straight. You're in pain. And you're being lied to. And you're in battle with 3,000 spirits. Once you're in this position, he unleashes the fourth aspect of himself against you. It's called uh, that old old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan. Satan means one who accuses you. And I'm going to go ahead and take a step out here that he accuses you of your past and all your shortcomings, and all the places that you're inadequate, and you know it and he knows it, and so once your gaze is off, you've been wounded, you're being lied to, and now these things called rulers of the dark, I mean, a spiritual wickedness in high places starts accusing you of everything you've done wrong. And you're in a position now, You can't see, you're in pain, you're lied to, and you're in self-pity, and you're on the last leg down. Now, this is the spirits that you do battle with every day you open your eyes. There is no other aspects to him. This is it. And if someone has never taught you this, you need to get hold of this now. Because this, how many of you understand you've been in one or two of those battles almost constantly? Oh, come on now. And the rest of you won't admit it, but you know you have because that's the only rabbit trail the devil can run. But the reason it's so hard is a human spirit can do battle with at least up to 6,000 spirits. How do you know that? Remember Legion? He had a legion, and still he had mind enough to worship God. He fell at Jesus' feet to worship him. Because a human spirit is big enough to hold at least 6,000 spirits. So when you start doing battle, notice most of the time, you find yourself living on the edge of collapse or strength. Because this is the spirit you're fighting. Why is it so hard, prophet? Why is it so hard? 
It's so hard because these are the aspects and the spirits He uses to bring down nations. Nations. And you're fighting them individually. So it is the strength of an underworld that, his, that Satan uses to bring down whole nations and you're doing battle with them personally every day. That ought to give you an idea of your strength. No wonder the scripture says one can put, but two can put, Because you are that size in the spirit. Now, remember, this is what he uses to bring down nations. There's four aspects. There's four classes of spirit. These work together. And if you'll notice in the book of Revelation, there's four horsemen of the apocalypse. It's because he's still using that. Now, about 3,500 years ago, there was a man, I think I'm saying his name right, Sun Se or Sun Su or something. Yeah, yes. He wrote the book. He had this epiphany, and it was demonically inspired of how to overthrow a nation without bloodshed, without having to fight a war. And they said, and he was the advisor to several, watch this, Chinese dynasties. Something that came from China. China. 